Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. It's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> Stop. It's, it's not the end no. of the world as we know it. Stop. No, we don't. It's <laughs> <not>. <laughs> Daddy, please, I'm begging you. Please, this is the second time since we started this Zoom call that I had to beg you to stop doing something. You had to beg me to stop trying to tell you about my sex life the other night. I did. I, like, was shoving you out the door, like, stop telling me. I don't want to hear about it. Which is funny I, because I talk about my sex life all the time. <laughs> I know. It is is extremely rude. But now I can't talk about my sex life on the podcast anymore. I've realized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't. That's a little inappropriate. It's it's a great loss for everyone. Guys, we have some we have a couple of things that we need to announce. Um really big news, very exciting. First and foremost, I cut my hair in the bathroom in a fit of rage. And um also, Emmy, would you like to share your big news? I got progesterone? No. You got engaged. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to Steffi. Steffi proposed to me. <laughs> she gave me a sword and a magic card and a ring. Yeah, that's how you propose uh, to modern women. You have to give them a sword, a proposal sword. I want you to know she told me about it months before it happened. And she was like, I'm going to get her a sword, this sword. And I was like, she'll love that. <laughs> I, she, I, I had told her before that I, I don't even I think it's before we maybe even started dating that I was like, I want somebody to propose to me with a sword. <laughs> yes. And she retained that very well. My only grievance is that I was not there to witness it, but it's very cute nonetheless. I went into a cleaning frenzy. After she proposed? Yes. Why? I don't know, actually. <laughs> I just got very happy and then felt like everything had to be cleaned up right ah. then. You know, I feel like the same result might happen if Brandon buys me one of those, like, life-size Kirby plushes. And then I'll feel like I need to clean the apartment so that the Kirby plush has is, a clean place to exist. Is he sitting over there listening and hearing you say that right now? I mean, he can definitely hear what I've just said, but he's in the living room. So, <laughs> he, I'm in the bedroom, he is in the living room. So, he, you know, I can't look at his face, but I imagine he's rolling his eyes. But also kind of and going, thinking that uh... maybe he should get me a life-size Kirby plush. I am having a Kirby-themed birthday party this year. Um, so anyone... Are, are you just going to eat all of us? No, I'm going to buy one of those like child's birthday decoration kits off of Amazon. And I'm going to put a bunch of Kirby pictures all over the walls. And we're going to have a Kirby birthday. Sarah. Yeah? What power do you get if you eat me? Do you suddenly feel like you actually are a woman? And then <laughs> so you're, <laughs> your transness is negated by my I, transness? I, stop be I become cis when I 
consume you. When two trans people combine, they become cis. I suddenly, ex- like, am extremely appreciative of my genitalia. No. Wow. I'm so happy. I, um, I become a bass. That is what happens. I, I, I am able to sing at incredibly low frequencies. Though you're you're not as low pitched as you used to be, so No, I lost it. Yeah. <laughs> but um I believe that if you trained yourself enough, you could be one of those people who can sing really low pitches but also really high pitches. I can't it's do that. The end of- <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly that. I these <clears throat> days more and more I can only sing medium pitches. My range is not as good as it used to be. Mrs. Thornton would be really upset with me. You like your pitches like you like your steak. Bleeding? I don't know. That that really wasn't a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> my brain my brain was like, say it. Say it, would it be, Emmy. It would, a, it would be a better joke if I liked my steak medium. <laughs> But I don't like my steak medium. I like my steak rare. Or I did order my steak blue at a steakhouse somewhat recently. And my father-in-law, I thought he, his head was going to explode. I would be horrified. Yeah, it was delicious. It was a really good steak. I ordered it blue. I looked at the waiter and I was like, can I get it blue? Because it was a nice restaurant. And I was like, can I get it blue? And he was like, blue. Like, below rare. Like, blue. And I was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, I've just never had anyone order it like that. And I was like, oh, good. (laughs) You're now that person. (laughs) Well, it's like, I was caught between wanting to be like, okay, you don't have to do it. And being like, okay, then just make it rare. Because if you're going (laughs) to, like, you don't know how to do it properly, then, like, I feel like I'm going to eat raw steak. (laughs) Uh, but it was good. It was really good. I had a steak like two days in a row because I, I, we went to Cheesecake Factory because I'd never been to Cheesecake Factory. And I went to Cheesecake Factory and I ordered a steak and I ordered that one rare because I was like, I'm at a Cheesecake Factory. I'm not at the Seasons 52. But then we went to Seasons 52 and I ordered it blue. How, I don't understand how you... How? There are a few ways in which I fit right in in texas and one of them is the way i like my steak though i will say a lot of texans i'm finding out do not eat their steaks rare they eat them like medium just i eat mine medium i got Mm -hmm. it medium i got one one time that was like medium rare on part of it Mm -hmm. and i was like nope i hate this texture this is the worst this is the absolute worst (laughs) so the problem with ordering your steaks medium or like ordering your steak basically anyway is that the person cooking it has to be like has to know what they're doing and so sometimes you order a rare steak and it's just chewy whereas when you order a rare steak it should in theory be extremely tender and very juicy but like a lot of the time it winds up being chewy and then people eat it and they're like this is disgusting and i'm like but it's not supposed to be that way it's supposed to be like very like falling apart is really good oh uh, yeah no that's the texture i don't like oh you don't like it it's, when it's falling it's, apart no it's too soft oh i don't <laughs> i don't understand it's i the blue steak i ate like 
butter I was eating it. It was so good. You eat just butter? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't just eat butter. I'm not four years old. But I'm just saying that was, it was very smooth. It's not actually like disintegrating like butter, but it's very smooth. Are we going to talk about steak all day or are we going to talk about It's something? better than talking about this fucking book. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about to something be honest, much worse. Everyone's going to be sitting here like, wow, we waited two months for them to record <laughs> just so we could listen to them talk about fucking steak. Look, it's... it's... Steffi's over here like, I'm a fucking vegan. <laughs> or as she would say now, I'm actually a vegetarian because this stupid fucking country yeah. doesn't allow you to be vegan easily yeah i have a cousin who's vegan and i am a little convinced that and i love this guy he's great but i'm a little convinced that he's only vegan like feasibly because he lived in like a very artsy area of town when he lived in cincinnati and now he lives in san francisco so like well technically oakland but he lives in the bay and so like it's I mean, if you have the money to live there, you have the money to be vegan anyway, but it's also just like, it's way easier to do there. Being a vegan most, in Texas, I, I don't even know how you would do it. Most places we go here, it's like, hey, do you want fries? <laughs> do you want to just eat fries for every meal? Yeah. Even now, the, given. Like, even salads and stuff are going to come with like, meat on them and you can order them without but like the odds of it happening correctly is Steffi low. has multiple times ordered things that were supposed to be meat free and they gave her the meat versions anyways yeah hi Lucy bye yeah. Lucy <laughs> oh Jen it's your Lucy mention she just ran across my keyboard uh so that's for you and now we can move on so, do we want to decide now if we're going to read book three? Or would you like to wait until we finish Warm Bodies? We're, we're not reading book three. Yeah, we're not going to read book three of Maximum Ride. It sucks. Uh, we were talking about this before we started recording. I was saying that there's a version of Maximum Ride that exists only inside my head. And... That version is not real, obviously, and I regret greatly that I did not... I feel like I should have reread Maximum Ride before we read this. Like, we're going into Warm Bodies, and neither of us has read it in about 10 years. But, well, actually, I've read bits and pieces of it since then because I love it. But we both know that it's good. Like, it's not a question. It's like an international bestseller and, like, was made into a great movie. So, like, we both know that's good. So I don't feel the need to reread that before we start it. But I do feel like I should have reread at least a little bit of Maximum Ride before we decided to read it. We're never completing the series. I apologize to all of you. <clears throat> you can use Sparknotes or Wikipedia if you really have to know what happens next. Because, I mean, we didn't record for two months. That should really be an indicator of where we're at with this series. Yeah. And we're, are we doing House of Night next or are we doing Divergent next? We're doing House of Night. So we're going to do Warm Bodies for a little break from the bad. Yes. And then we're going to do House of Night, which I think will be varying degrees of 
okay to bad because I do remember there are definitely some moments in that series that made me go, what the actual fuck? So with House of Night, we're gonna we're gonna have I feel like going forward with this series, we're going to have a scale of bad. One side is Twilight bad, and one side is Maximum Ride bad. Maximum Ride is the kind of bad where you just sit there going, this is bad, I hate this, and I don't find it interesting. But Twilight is the kind of bad where you feel like you have things to talk about. We need things that we can analyze and critique. Maximum Ride, you cannot analyze and critique. It's just a mash together of nonstop events that don't make any sense. Yeah. And there have been moments where we've been able to look at things and be like, huh, you could look at that more critically and see a certain ideology peeking through. But for the most part, it's just a bunch of like varying action sequences that aren't really connected to each other pretty much at all. So there's really not much to go on. And they're not, they're not good. They're not fun to read action sequences. Yeah. Or cool. Well, it's because they're just... realistic. They're not... Like, you know how Stephanie Meyer gave too much detail? Gabby doesn't give us, like, any details. It's basically just like, oh, I did this, and then I did that, and then it was over. <laughs> you, okay. The fights in this book read to me, like, if you took an anime fight where both characters were overpowered <laughs> and wrote the fight out but yeah. without a lot of detail so it's just them doing crazy shit to each other over and over again without yeah. anything actually happening or developing every single fight in this book is just the beam struggle at the end of naruto shippuden <laughs> there's nothing interesting going on it's just and then naruto never mind i'm not gonna talk about it because i don't remember jack shit about the terminology from the end of naruto all i remember is kakashi twirling a bunch of kunai on his fingers and sasuke being an edgelord that's pretty much it that was 500 episodes of my life that i'll never get back sakura ended up with sasuke like, I didn't want her to end up with anyone in particular. Just the fact that she ended up with Sasuke is just... Ugh, it's a choice. I, look, I'm going to make one piece of commentary on Naruto. There are two couples in Naruto that I will stand forever. One of them is Hinata and Naruto. I find them to be very cute. I think that they are a very good couple. And then Tamari and Shikamaru? Excellent couple. I love a sarcastic man and a woman who could kill him. Like, it's such a good pairing. <laughs> There is this clip, sorry, there is this clip that has been going around from Boruto that takes place in the Chunin arena where it's like being demolished and there, but there's people in it. Like it was at, clearly happening during the Chunin exams and freaking uh, Sakura just reaches up as this whole thing is like collapsing on top of her and she just punches the air and everything just explodes away from her. And it was like, mm. So beautiful. That is what I love to see out of my Sakura Haruno. <clears throat> Get him, pink-haired lady. Hell Get yeah. <laughs> Get him. She's so strong. I want her to punch me. Anyway, um, now that we're done being gay nerds and talking about steak, should we talk about this book?
Chapter 110. Um, <laughs> so the flock squabbles briefly over the difference between Itex the company and Ibex the mountain deer slash goat animal before Iggy suggests looking the company up at a library. They head to a town, find a library, and look up Itex on the capital W web where they discover it's a massive multifaceted conglomerate that invests in basically every industry, including the child-animal hybrid industry, because the iTex logo was on all the science equipment at the school. This, I feel like this is like going through life, even as somebody who was sheltered, and being like, Wow, I didn't realize Johnson and Johnson was such a big company. <laughs> so, like, they do this at some point later, where they're like, "Oh, the logo is on everything." And now, I want—I don't want to be the like postmortem conspiracy theorist on like capitalist dystopias, but like most international conglomerates that own like everything don't just slap their logo like really big on every single item because they don't want you to notice and i think that's kind of the point that they're making is that like oh you don't even notice that these people like are everywhere and it's like yeah you don't notice because they don't make it obvious like but now you're John- saying that it was obvious yeah like now you're saying like they literally like i think at some point they look at a pair of jeans and they're like oh my god they're itex brand and it's like what the fuck are you talking about? That's not like. What the fuck is Procter and Gamble? Maybe, I know. Maybe they're dumbing it down. Maybe they're really just trying to make it as simple as possible for like 13 year olds. It's just very silly to me. Also, my one note on this is, and yes, I'm bringing it up again. So they know about Ibexes, which are like these like mountain goat deer animals. Max says they got most of their education from the television. Okay. They watched a lot of Animal Planet. Okay. But lots they of animal didn't sex. know what cheeseburgers were. So they got all of their education from television, but they didn't know what burgers were. I'm sorry. Like, that is like, I know that we've talked about it so many times, but. Uh, it just gets me every time that they bring up something random that they know. And I'm like, but you didn't know what a burger was. I don't get it. Please. They actually only had local Indian cable. Uh, <laughs> and so they didn't understand anything because it wasn't in English. And none of the food was food they recognized. But they had Ibexes in their Bollywood films. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. <laughs> it explains how they got their, like, flamboyant and over-the-top style of doing basically everything. Have you seen a Bollywood film? They are... This, this explains not me, the explosions. This is not me insulting Bollywood, by the way. It is an art. Bollywood films are an art form that I have the oh. utmost respect for. It's like Velocipaster. Yes. It's people who took something extremely entertaining and boiled it down to something so simple and abs like over the top that it becomes incredible. I just I, I invite everyone to just watch clips of Bollywood films because they are phenomenal. But anyway, chapter 111. 
Nudge whines for a while about going to Disney World, and despite this being literally the worst idea the flock has ever had, they decide to go. Worst idea ever. Yeah, it's literally, I cannot think of a, of a worse idea for them to do. As a matter of fact, in chapter 112, which is less than a page long, uh, Ari finds out they're going to Disney and loses what is left of his fragile mind, screaming into the ether about how fucking stupid these kids are. They are really stupid. And yet again, he is the most reasonable person in this book it's it's weird um and I'm, I'm wondering if this is one of those situations where you have somebody that grows up in a really really shitty way and you know they're like they're, they're a shitty person but then like they start to as they grow up they're like oh wow those things that i grew up with and that i did were shitty and somehow they turn into a well-adjusted person <laughs> yeah so Stay with me for just a second. There is this um, Disney Pixar documentary. Um, it's called, I think it's a short documentary. I don't think it's a full length, but it's called Black Friday. And it's about the making of Toy Story, which is, if you don't know, is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, it was the beginning of my ability to hyperfixate on things, truly. It was the only thing I would watch when I was a kid. But they talk at length in this documentary about how they came to a point in the creation of Toy Story where Woody was no longer a likable character who was doing bad things so that you were like, no, Woody, don't do that. But then he was just a villain. Like the way that he was acting around Buzz and the way that he treated the other toys was basically just him being a huge asshole. And so they needed to pivot and turn it into something more like what we now have, which is you have a very likable wonderful main character in Woody, but you see him make stupid mistakes for understandable reasons such that you are like, oh my God, no, Woody, don't do that. It's a great documentary. I recommend everybody watch it. Um, Black Friday refers to the day in which, not the Black Friday that we know, but it refers to the day in which they had to decide to make that pivot or they were going to lose basically all of Pixar because Toy Story was like, Pixar was riding on Toy Story. But long story short, what I see that as an example of is knowing when to pivot and make your characters more understandable and likable. And I don't think Gabby ever had her Black Friday and knew that she needed to make that pivot because we are watching stupid characters who are not likable, generally speaking, do really stupid things over and over again to the point where I'm kind of like, I hope the erasers rip your throats out. Like, it's I, it doesn't make any sense. You don't deserve to survive at this point. Exactly. This is survival of the fittest. Like, and that's what this whole series is about. It's about, like, evolution and survival of the fittest and, like, understanding your place in the world and stuff like that. And they are not the fittest. They're Which is hilarious, fittest. considering they're specifically created to be the fittest and survive an apocalypse. I don't see that happening. I think no. Woody has a better chance of surviving the apocalypse than these bird kids do. At least somebody will make it when Russia nukes us. Anyway, <laughs> chapter 113. The flock wonders about Disney and ends up going to Pirates of the Caribbean thanks to Total's 
insistence why this dog that talks that they took from a laboratory knows what the pirates of the caribbean ride at disney world is i don't know but he really wants to go on it i think i read somewhere that total was originally intended to be like a human man like his brain was put into a dog but i don't think they followed through on that because probably because it it would make dark oh oh I thought it was the fact that he, like, was really fucking creepy if it was an actual (laughs) adult man's brain in his body. That is also true. It would also make it weird when, in the fourth book, they find him a lady dog. Oh, God. No, no. Yeah, we're going on. (laughs) So Max tries not to have a mental breakdown about being crammed into a small boat in a dark place. Anyway, um, chapter 114, the flock discusses what they're going to do next. A little girl approaches them and asks if Total is talking, which they lie about and just say it's Gazzy doing ventriloquism. Um, take your meds. I, I, my meds are in the other room. I will take them when we're done. God. Uh, Max is annoyed, but Fang smiles at her. So she gets over it because in this, we are officially down the track of like every time fact, Fang smiles, Max wets herself a little bit. Which is, like, I'll be honest, um, just smiling at me when I'm pissed (laughs) off does not make me feel better. I know that might seem weird. (laughs) It helps me a little if Brandon smiles at me, but that's because Brandon usually doesn't emote very much. So if he smiles, I'm like, oh, okay. Chapter 115. Ari is sitting on a bench, waiting for the flock to get off Splash Mountain, when a young boy approaches him and mistakes him for Wolverine. He talks to the kid for a few minutes because he enjoys someone actually thinking he's cool and manages to miss the flock getting off Splash Mountain because he's distracted. My only note on this is um, that I could harp on the idea of, quote-unquote, meeting Wolverine at Disney World... But this is a child who theoretically doesn't know better, so I won't. I do find it funny now, all these years later, because Disney owns Marvel. Yes, but... But not not (laughs) X-Men. Yes, so the X-Men, unless I'm mistaken, would have been at Universal Studios at this time. They were owned by Sony, which is, they touch tips, don't they? Sony and Universal? I I don't know. All I know is that it's really funny in hindsight because they could have, he could have gone with like any other Marvel (laughs) character that wasn't from X-Men and today it would fit. (laughs) I mean, they do own X-Men now, but. Oh, they do? Yeah. They had the, they had the Fox and Sony merger. Oh, that's right. No. The Fox, yep. Sony. Sorry, not Fox. The Fox, D- Disney Fox acquired Disney. them. Yeah. They do. They they acquired them. They have them now. Anyway. Well. <laughs> makes sense in hindsight. In hindsight. 
We'll just pretend the book is set today. Yes, we will. <laughs> so, uh, chapter 116, the flock leaves Splash Mountain and sees Ari. So, Max turns ar- turns them around and finesses... I use the heaviest of air quotes on that word. Uh, her way past the workers so they can take one of the hidden corridors... Uh, they take to the air on the other side, and they set off, and are all really upsetty spaghetti. Because the, the fun time's over, and everything is shit, and well, we can't have fun at Disney World when people are trying to kill us. Um, yeah, they, they, they see a helicopter, and they, they run away. So in this chapter... Someone asks Max. I don't remember who because I read this a while ago. Someone asks Max, how does Gazzy, he track... Gazzy, I think. Gazzy, probably. How does he track us so easily? And Max says, I don't know. <laughs> yes, you do! <laughs> you have a tracking chip in your arm. You literally mutilated yourself trying to get it out of you like 10 chapters ago, you freak of fucking nature. And 10 and I, chapters ago, isn't it very long in this book? It was literally like, I, I'm not even calling her a freak because she's a mutant. That is the least of her fucking worries. All right. She has a tracking chip in her arm. How, what, what, what? What do you mean? I don't know. Yes, you do. Even if you even if you didn't have that tracking chip, you are incredibly predictable with your movements. Pulls out I- the life, pulls out the phone, opens the Life 360 app. <laughs> Man, how are they tracking me? Yeah, like, oh my god. Like, what do you mean you don't know? I, that made me so mad. I remember laying in bed i because i have the phone the uh book on my phone because my old book got vomited on by my cat and i just like tossed my phone down on the bed and i was just laying there staring up at the ceiling like what does she fucking mean she doesn't know she knows she knows chapter 117 yes The flock invades a junkyard. And through the magic of Nudge Brain, they manage to hobble a Frankenstein's monster of a car together, which is cramped. And because of that, they bicker. Total's offended by the fact that he is a dog. And they need to find a sleepy place. Uh, note, they built this car from five other cars in what seems to be a matter of like a couple hours yeah. um mm-hmm. and it was done because nudge literally just looked at it and said these are the parts it needs to run we can get them from the other cars i know because i read jeb's automotive magazine that came once a year What's so goofy about this, too, is that they're literally like, what are we going to do? And Nudge is like, why don't we take these six basic car parts, put them together, and then we'll have a full car. It's like being like, why don't we just take a couple of turbines, 
put some gasoline in an engine and then we can fly in a plane. And everybody's like, oh my God, how did you think of that? You're a fucking genius. What if we take the wings of a bird and <laughs> staple them to the side of the car? Why would we do that? We have wings attached to us. Because then the car could fly. Wait, no, what are you drop, talking about? We you can't can drop total halfway down the planet when you're in a car. Also, total wants a walkie-talkie. And I yeah. think this is supposed to be comedic, but I can't tell anymore because this book has broken me. Yeah, I don't know what's supposed to be jokes and what's... Like, there are so many times where I'm like, oh, haha, they've made a joke. And then there's other times where they make a joke and then Max is like, see, that was a joke. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean that was a joke? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Then Why can't they just make all of these kids mute? <laughs> I don't know. It would be a lot better. Uh, chapter 118. The next morning, the flock takes their car and starts heading towards Itex, I assume, with the use of a map? Everyone squabbles because the car is small. They really I, don't like how small the car is. Yeah, they really, they can't, they cannot stop reminding us how small the car is. It's like Iggy being blind. Yeah, Iggy's really blind. Wow, that actually comes up a lot later. That does, <laughs> yeah. Um, so chapter 119, they get pulled over for speeding, and Angel mind controls the state trooper into leaving them alone and forgetting she ever saw them, um, which Max has, like, a weird moral dilemma about, and I'm like, bitch, if I could do that, I would, every single day, I would be doing that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I only I only work a block I only work a block away from where I live, and I would be flying down the road if I could make every cop forget I existed. For legal reasons, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> she makes a comment about being the leader of the flock, and Max thinks she might be serious. And like, I think we're supposed to feel like this is insidious, and like it's a slow moving wave toward angel be being evil the way she is later sorry my cat's trying to jump on my computer again um <laughs> but it's really not slow it's just kind of like oh so she's evil very clearly evil this isn't subtle you're not good at writing subtle gabby no come on gabby actually you're just not good at writing gabby <laughs> gabby you should think of a different profession Maybe one with less words. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> uh, for some reason, all my brain can think of now is all the phrases for writing. Like, why use big word when small word <laughs> small do a trick? trick? And show don't tell and just gabby completely breaking trying to follow these rules anytime she writes a book i forever cannot see here or read the, the phrase show don't tell without becoming irrationally angry after i 
wrote a couple of chapters of, of like a first oh, draft God. one time and asked my friend if he wanted to read it. Just like asked him just if he wanted to read it. Not like, will you read this and give me notes? Just do you want to read this? And he wrote over 200 notes on about 19 pages of this rough draft that I had written. And he wrote show don't tell, I think 12 times. People really don't understand what show don't tell actually means. Yeah. Guys, you can't actually show everything. It's more efficient <laughs> to tell sometimes, especially, I promise. And especially, like, I want to put this out there, that if your story is written in a first-person perspective, a lot of the time, just telling is appropriate because it's a character telling you a story. So sometimes they're not just going to describe in explicit detail what is happening. They're going to just say that something has happened or they're going to make an observation about something. And it's just you have like you can trust that they see what they're talking about. You don't have to be like, well, it would have been more intellectual if you had described what was going on. Sometimes you can just say it. It's okay. Sometimes. Sometimes. Other times, Gabby, <laughs> you need to show. Gabby needs to show a little more, tell a little less. Gabby does not understand the middle ground. Stephanie Meyer needs to show a little less, tell a little more, especially when it comes to the car accident scene. Because I saw three videos the other day about people discussing the car accident scene in Twilight. And they were all like, hey, guys, was anyone else really confused by the physics of the car accident scene in Twilight? You gave us too much information to work with. <laughs> too that we much. could not parse out. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> Chapter 120. 120. <laughs> uh, the fucks find Itex and it looks super normal. Uh, security guard explains that the last tour was at four, so they'll have to come back tomorrow, but he doesn't do anything suspicious or find them strange. Uh, chapter 121. The fucks relax in a motel and get clean while discussing how prevalent ITAX is. They think the school built them to stop ITAX and that Max is the important one while the rest are redundant. Later, Max wakes up found and gagged. Okay. <laughs> This doesn't make any fucking sense. They're like, we're redundant. You're the one they need. Max was first. Yes. <laughs> Max is the oldest. So if they were going to make redundant copies, they would just keep making more Maxes, which they have. They have a Max too. This is not what they did. By their logic, they're saying we finished the final design prototype and then we just said fuck it we're gonna make more prototypes they're yeah. different what and the, what, no they're <laughs> what's so funny is that like in book one if you remember it was made incredibly clear that angel was the special one that's why they took her she was subject 11 She's the super special, unique, cool one. But why is... So what... So which is it? What is the truth? 
Is Max what? the super special one or is Angel the super special one? What is truth, really? Don't. In a world full nope. of disinformation and propaganda, how do we know who to believe? I believe. Not Gabby. Not Gabby. <laughs> I don't believe James either. Oh, no. Never trust Jimmy. I believe Hiromu Arakawa, the author and mangaka of Full Metal Alchemist. You know what? That's a fair belief. Thank you. Anyway, uh, chapter one twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> chapter one twenty-two. Max wakes up bound and gagged. She panics. Uh, it like flails around, like kicks her feet and all that stuff, and is shocked that none of the flock wake up as she does, as she has a hood thrown over her head and, and is kidnapped. Um, I'm also shocked because that doesn't make literally any fucking sense. There are six people in a single motel room. She's sleeping on the floor, and she is somehow com- like kidnapped completely under their noses. Um, Before the hood blinds her, she sees Max 2 electric boogaloo in the room and assumes that she stays there when she's taken away. Like, no shit. No fucking shit. Max 2, double X. This is absolutely stupid. Anyway, chapter 123, Max 2 does a fabulously terrible job. Oh god, it is bad. Pretending to be Max Prime. She she says her, like she's had so much training. I don't understand. Like, her job was literally to become Max, to watch Max learn everything she does, how she acts, how she thinks, and to be trained to be Max. And she is literally the furthest thing from Max yeah. possible. She offers to cook breakfast. She then is like, come here, Nudge. I'm going to do your hair. She tells Total to get off the bed because she doesn't understand that Total is not just a dog. He's like a mutant dog with like a, like basically a human brain. Which you, you'd think they would have informed her of that since, you know, he was stolen from her side. It doesn't even appear to, that she realizes that Total can talk. He doesn't talk. So I guess she doesn't know that he can talk. But then the others don't, like, why doesn't he talk to her? Why doesn't he, like, sass her? I don't understand. Um, but anyway, so she does such a bad job of pretending to be Max that if the flock doesn't immediately figure it out, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. I'm going to lose my entire brain. How do you not figure it out immediately? Especially because... At least Fang knows that there's another Max. Yeah. Like, I don't know if the others know, but I know that Fang knows. I'm like, I know she told people. Like, this this shouldn't be hard to figure. Iggy tries to, when Iggy tries to cook breakfast instead of Max, (sighs) she's like, but you're blind. (laughs) guys take a drink because iggy's blind um but also on top of that on top of her doing a fabulously terrible job angel can read minds and isn't shy about doing it pretty much all the time so there is literally no way that she wouldn't know this max is fake 
I don't know how they thought this plan was going to, like, not just Max 2, but, like, you know, all the people in charge of creating this plan thought this was going to work when they know that Angel can read minds. Yeah, like, that's her defining feature is that she can read minds. And she, it's, she's not one of those, like, okay, so, like, with Edward, who was a character who could read minds, he can't turn it off, right? He can hear people's thoughts all day, every day. He has no way of drowning it out. But Angel, we know, doesn't have to read people's minds. She just doesn't give a shit. And she reads people's minds all the time. So, like, did they expect her to have privacy? I don't understand. She was thinking about how terrible and stupid all of them were this entire time. This is the worst. Chapter 124. (laughs) Max wakes up in total darkness, unable to feel, see, or hear anything. Uh, She panics, argues with the voice about what's going on, and the voice tells her that she's in a sensory deprivation chamber. Which, if you weren't the psychopath that Maximum Ride is, would be very relaxing. Sensory deprivation chambers are often used to um, aid with anxiety and to, you know, kind of shut yourself off from the rest of the world. But Max is insane, so it, like... Makes her think she's dead. Yeah. Chapter 125. Max slowly loses her mind in the tank. Her mind is reeling through her past experiences. uh, Seeing every color. Hearing every sound she's ever heard. Reliving every memory that lives in the annals of her brain. Uh... And then there's a light, and it hurts because she's been in the dark. And she doesn't know how long she's been in the dark. She acts like she was in this thing for, like, a month. But we know it was, like, a few hours. Like, she was just in there for a little while. But she, like, literally, her mind breaks (laughs) while she was in there. I don't understand. (laughs) I'm like, I guess maybe without any outside influence and being in a state of panic, maybe it would fuck with your head. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Chapter 126, Max is removed from the tank, which freaks her out because she was stuck in the tank for so long. She's literally like in pain all over her body. Um, She says that like her, her, like she just says her whole body hurts and that her eyes hurt and that her head hurts from the sounds and stuff like that. Okay, whatever. Um, Jeb comes in to lecture her about being ready to save the world. Then someone comes in to put Max back in the tank because Jeb didn't have clearance to pull her out. It feels like all Jeb is here for is to show up, call Max sweetheart, and then tell her that she needs to save the world. Yeah, his, uh... But he never says what she's saving the world from. He never... Saving the world in other extreme sports. Jeez. You're I'm, right. <laughs> yeah, his entrances feel really pointless. Like, any time he shows up, he just could not be there, and the scene could happen regardless. Yeah. Very pointless. What did we gain from this? More confusion. Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, so chapter 127, Max 2 leads the gang into Itex, musing the entire time about how stupid annoying they all are. And look, I may agree with the sentiment, but she's evil, and that means that I have to defend the flock. So stop being mean to the flock. She, she also complains that they're stupid and annoying, but, like, in really dumb ways. Like, because they're, like, children and stuff. She just can't stand the fact that they're children. Which is, like, come on, there's a million reasons why you could hate them. It doesn't have to be that they're children. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I can't deal with kids. But I also wouldn't choose to allow myself to be made the parental figure of five children in yeah. that case. <laughs> well, I guess four. Technically, Fang's not her child. That would be weird. Neither is Iggy. They're all the same age. Well, I, Yeah, but she's like apparent to the rest of them just not fang yeah yeah because she wants to fuck fang yep <laughs> yep she does she later has a baby with him yep i don't know what age she is when she has the baby i i didn't read that far in the books but she does have one what do you think trying to push a child with wings out of a human <laughs> Just curious. I don't know. They'd probably just fall because they're stupid and a baby. <laughs> this is stupid baby. Right, chapter 128. Max and the voice discuss what they want, what Itex wants from her and what she can do. They determined that she's needed alive, and sh so she makes her life sign stop. She literally makes her own body stop being alive. Yeah, she, like, slows down her breathing, and, like, she says she wills her heart to slow down. Yeah, I'm like, you can't, you can't stop your life signs... You're like, no, no, you can't just make your heart rate stop existing and then be fine. Little do you know, my heart hasn't beat in hours. Oh God, it just did it. Oh, huh. Whew. Is it because we were reading this? It's a, it's a weird feeling. <laughs> uh, but the other problem with this is. They they want Max. Yes. But they, they don't do want, want Max. No, but no, they don't want not. Max. They don't want Max. But but actually they do. Okay, uh, yes, but, they do. But she's useless. Yeah, no. And very. they could just yeah. dispose of her. But yeah, instead they're sure. gonna put her in the sensory deprivation tank. Oh, but they can't let her die. No, why would they? I fucking can't. Why? What's wrong? I. It makes perfect sense to me. What are you talking about? <laughs> and this comes this comes right back to the angel being the one they stole the thing before too it's i'm like i do they need max do they not need max is she supposed to save the world is she not supposed to save the world what the fuck do they need what do they want if they don't need max when she's clearly a liability why do they keep keeping her alive <laughs> what's wrong i i hate this fucking book Chapter 129. 
Chapter 129. After reaching the computer room, Max 2 has nudge access files and shit. Uh, and then she finds classified stuff, and Max 2 is impressed by this. Yeah, at some point, Nudge is like, hey, this is about me, and like points to a thing that says Monique, and Max is like, why does she think that? You're so stupid. You're so, like, you're complaining about how stupid the rest of them are. You are the dumbest character in this entire book. She is so dumb. She's, like, insane levels of dumb. I just want them all to die in the explosion. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, Chapter 130, Max actually convinces the White Coats that she's dead. Then stages a daring escape when she's pulled out of the tank. She crashes through a window and starts to fly away, which seems to please Jeb for whatever fucking reason. He's like, ah, see you later, and like has a big old smile on his face as she's flying away. I, I feel like this is that thing in a book or a show where you're supposed to be uncertain about motivations, except generally when you do that for characters, you have them like doing good things for the other characters, but then seeming like they could have an ulterior motive as opposed to this just being a confusing mess. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it it's Jeb is not duplicitous. He's just chaotic. He's chaotic, chaotic. He is true chaos. He is true chaos. Like he doesn't. Somebody even give fit this bitch a chaos emerald. <laughs> um, chapter one thirty one is yes. mine because you only did one chapter for some reason. Oh, I did. Excellent. <laughs> um, I'm so good. But I did three <laughs> chapters at the end, so it's okay. Yes, you did. I was That's why I was like, why did they do one chapter? And I got to the end, why did they do three chapters? <laughs> what is happening? I just assumed that we had an odd number of chapters, so I did all three of them at the end, which I usually do, um, if there's three at the end. But it's because I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so chapter 131, Nudge uh-huh. finds info on their origins, including her name, Monique. And a video of her parents. When they go and look at the consent form her parents signed to give her up, they find out that the signatures actually look like Jeb's. And then Nudge cries and Iggy hears something coming. And I'm not... I I feel like this is supposed to be like, oh, look, new information. Jeb's the one that did it. And I'm like, is this supposed to surprise me? Is Am I supposed to be like... Oh, Jeb's being sneaky. It's like, it is, like, technically speaking, it is new information. But it is in no way surprising. It is just easily verifiable information. So when I I would take notes, when I would do um, history projects, uh, when I was in school, my note-taking method was such that I had to color color code things because I have ADHD. So... In red, I would put anything that was, like, urgent in urgent need of, like, investigation. Like, something, you know, whatever. Blue is stuff that I'm just, like, speculating on. Purple is stuff that's completely unrelated. Usually just things that I think and then I want to write them down. 
But then black is just objectively obvious and identifiable information, such as the Declaration of Independence was written in the year 1776. My notes or on- was it? <laughs> My notes on every piece of information we would have on Jeb Batchelder would all be in black, but then there would also be a lot of purple in between because I wouldn't be able to focus. But there would be a lot of black. It would all be black. It's all easy, objectifiable, objectifiably proven information. Objectifiable. Yes. This information is very sexy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting hot and bothered just thinking about it. Ooh, Jeb Bachelor. Object, objectifiably. Objectively. I'm so stupid. Why don't you do a podcast with me? Objectifiably? You let me say that. You let those words come out of my mouth. I do not have control of your mind. Objectively provable information. Chapter, wait, yeah, yeah this is mine. Chapter 132, no. Max returns to the motel, oh my eats, God. grabs all the shit, puts it in a tree, goes back to Itex because I don't know what the fuck we're doing anymore. This is like when you go to do quests in an RPG and it just keeps having you go back in a, like a circle through the same locations over and over. And you're like, yes. oh my God. Why isn't there just a system that says I can... Xenoblade Chronicles, not the second one, but the first one, has a feature. When you finish a quest, it just automatically is like, hey, you got the shit. Good job. And you you don't have to go find somebody again. You just get the rewards for doing yeah. it. Yeah. You Most don't have amazing to return to ever. base and speak to anyone. This is just returning to the base. <laughs> and then returning to the base you just broke out of. <laughs> it feels like so there are things that I'm that I notice about a lot of authors, especially authors who are in their infancy of their like authorhood, where sometimes they feel like they need to account for everything. So, for example, when Gabby was writing what was going on with Max in the deprivation tank and then the flock. So the flock leaves the motel and goes to Itex. And Max is also in Itex. Okay. So now we've got an issue. Max is in a hospital gown. How does Max do all the action sequences if she's in a hospital gown? Oh, but also how are they going to get their stuff out of the motel? Whereas a more seasoned author might say, um, you, you don't need to address those things. We can assume as audience members that we understand that those things are going to be taken care of. With a younger author, it feels like you need to address every, every part of the situation. Whereas you, a younger you author... just have her show back up and be like, I got my fresh clothes. Yes. Like, a younger author might write a sequence of someone getting orange juice from the fridge where they stand up, walk to the fridge, open the fridge, take out the orange juice, unscrew the cap, take a drink, screw the cap back on, put the orange juice back in the the fridge, and then close the fridge. A more seasoned author might just be like, I went to the fridge and I had a swig of orange juice. 
but Gabby is is writing about the cap being taken off and put back on. It's like purple prose, but instead of excessive wordplay, it's excessive detail. <laughs> I can appreciate purple prose to an extent. I cannot. Oh, purple appreciate prose has this. its value. Yeah, <laughs> at times. We've talked about this, this is, in terms of yeah. literally warm bodies. <laughs> this is just painful. This is just awful. Uh, oh, and she's, there's snakes. Yeah, suddenly she's under attack by snakes. Um, so in chapter 133, the snakes just keep coming. Max kills a bunch <laughs> of them. keep coming. They just keep coming. They don't stop coming and they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming. So Max kills a bunch of them by flying into super spo- supersonic mode and dropping them out of the sky. Max is officially I- public enemy number one. Um, I, I don't think that's how you kill a bunch of snakes. Um, she dropped them out of the sky. They're gonna die. You think that snakes can withstand a lot of blunt force trauma? You are wrong. They do have little bonies, well, little cartilages inside their bodies. I mean, I feel like you'd have to fly up a pretty good distance for it to actually, like, kill the snake. Okay, well, I'm gonna go get my snake, and I'm gonna drop him off the- I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would never do that. I love Handsome Jack. He's a good boy. Um, The voice tells her she needs to overcome her fears, i.e. snakes, if she's going to save the world. To quote Rick and Morty, what a waste of snakes. (laughs) That is my favorite joke from Rick and Morty, and it's such a non-joke. That it just like it I don't know why. It just gets me every time. They're walking through the stupid lava thing and then the snakes fall down, but they have force fields around them, so it just slips off of them into the lava below and he just goes, What a waste of snakes. And it just gets me every time. Um yeah. This sequence in particular makes me really angry later on. Because we because of what we find out later. I cannot come to conclusive per- evidence, find conclusive evidence on how far a snake can fall. Uh, it seems Steffi? to mostly be... Steffi, science side <laughs> of Steffi, will you? Um, that's a Tumblr joke. Will you tell me what the terminal velocity is for a snake? Please and thank you. I just, it's a lot of people, it's just a lot of people going like, I've seen a snake fall like 25 feet and slither off without a problem. And I'm like that. Yeah, but Max was flying, like, she can fly, like, 250 yeah. miles an hour or something like I, that's that. That's what I'm saying. Like, this isn't useful information yeah. for me. <laughs> so, like, she shot straight up into the sky, and, like, they were, like, slipping off of her. I, I feel like a lot, a lot of it would come down to the size and weight of the yes. snake. I feel like some of them died and some of them survived. Well, none of them did anything. It's uh, completely irrelevant what we're talking they about right real. now. They aren't real. They are not real. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, so chapter 134, Ari appears and attacks the flock. Max, too, holds Angel in place so that Ari can chomp on her. A bunch of spiders appear and also there are rats, which is super scary, obviously. So that's the person that likes rats. I do love rats. I have had many pet rats in the past. They are very smart animals. You would just be in here like, snakes and rats? Yeah. (laughs) I'd just be like, I probably would be weirded out by the amount of spiders coming out from under the door, but I don't think I would be scared because I'm not afraid of spiders. And then if the rats came out, I would just be like, oh, the rats are going to eat the spiders. 
See, and this thing is like, rats don't scare me yeah, at all. I mean, no. it, it, I will avoid rats depending on the size. Like yeah. when I lived in New York, I there were a couple of times where I walked out and had to cross the street because there was like a rat king, massive rats just right there. And I mean like a literal hill worth <laughs> of, rats. of rats. Like on a Wendy's bag. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and you're like, oh, you're exaggerating. No. No, I know. I'm You aware. just see, I've like, them. dozens of them on top, and they're huge. And it's you're one like, of the only you know accurate things they've ever described in the Maximum Ride books is there was a part where they saw one of those, like, hills of rats. And they're very real. But look, the rats only live in the city because we do. <laughs> yeah. <It's laughs> I don't like, know how to tell you guys this. <laughs> it's like, am I going to walk right into the massive pile of hungry rats no no but i'm generally not too worried about the massive pile of hungry rats yeah unless they're really hungry and i'm really weak yeah (laughs) (laughs) are you speaking simlish what are you talking about (laughs) <laughs> I started Pepsi trying Gurna. to say the <laughs> words. You know when you start trying to say the words, but your word can't. Your brain, <laughs> 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 your brain can't put the sounds together coherently. You know when you're trying to say words, but your word can't word do word good. <laughs> what is I words? Write words. <laughs> This is why I put the word paper and not the word mouth. (laughs) I, neither of us, um, spent time getting degrees in public speaking. I'm sure both of us had to take a public speaking course, but still. I I did take public speaking courses and I hate them with a burning passion. The only time I will say things in front of an audience is when somebody else hands me a script and tells me to say those words. I, uh... I've always said that I am I am a write words major, not a speak words major. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway. Chapter, chapter 135. <laughs> Max manages to track the flock through a newly acquired scent tracking pe- feature. So yeah, I guess she she's... bought the DLC. <laughs> she's literally like, I could smell them. I know that sounds insane, but I could smell them. And it's like, yeah, Max, that does sound fucking insane she got the new title update for cyberpunk yeah apparently (laughs) she finds them and sees max too and then she starts undoing the vent when she sees ari coming in chapter 136 max too flips her shit when max crashes in and they argue over who is real Angel reveals that she always knew Max 2 was fake. Fucking obviously. Which is why she allowed Max 2 to hold her in place and then allowed Ari to to bite a chunk out of her arm. Obviously. Because she wouldn't have just mind-controlled Max into not doing that. Max 2, I should say. Um, This is also the chapter. This gets really yeah confusing with the max max two thing in this section yeah they 
flip between both of their perspectives and it's not done well. So the only way to tell the difference is because in these chapters specifically, Max 2 refers to Max Prime exclusively as Maximum Ride. So like she full names her the whole time. And that's the only way that you can tell. Oh, also I noticed that Max 2 refers to Gazzy as Gas Man, whereas Max Prime refers to him as the Gas Man. But it's very easy to skip over like yeah the exact verbiage used and confuse it <laughs> exactly um but this is also the chapter where we find out that the spiders rats and snakes were all fake it was a hologram system that itex has employed um and my question here is how did the snakes touch max how did the rats touch nudge and how did the spiders touch fucking everybody else gabby do you understand how holograms work or VR or literally anything that is just making things out of light? <laughs> no, I don't think she does. Because there's literally a part where, first of all, all of the snakes... I honestly didn't even realize until we were going back over this that the snakes were also fake. Um, I just thought that they had planted a bunch of snakes in a tree. For fun. Which is a weird choice, but... Which is a weird choice, but it's okay. But now, but like going back with the context of knowing that they had that fake hologram system. But there's a part where Nudge like screams because a rat runs up her pant leg. Is it first of all inside her pant leg? Because if it is, holograms can't do that. Can't go inside the pants. Um, second of all, how does she feel it happening? If you if plant snakes in a tree, do you get a snake tree and they just, it keeps making more snakes? A snree? Yeah. A snree? <laughs> um, Brandon and I, after we got our pet snake, started, like, anytime we would put snake in front of another word, we would just put snu. So, like, Jack is our snun, our snake son, our snun. And in our, our D&D campaign that just started a couple weeks ago on Sundays, we have a character who uh, is playing a Yuan-Ti pureblood, which is basically a snake person, a snurson. And <laughs> I spent the, I think, I think my, my buddy who is playing this person is annoyed with me because every time he would say like snake gun or something like that, I would be like, oh, you mean a snun? <laughs> Oh no, this is now confusing. Is it a snun or a snun? <laughs> Does my my snun has a snun. My snun is a snun owner. Oh my god. My snun has snun with his snun. Right? And he snuns with his very snun snun. <laughs> I'm kidding. He can't snun. That's stupid. <laughs> He doesn't even have hurts. legs. How could he stun? He doesn't have legs, Emmy. God. Chapter 137. The Maxes do a little argue before some scientists show up, Jeb among them. Max, too, is jealous that Jeb likes Max Prime better, even though Max is Jeb's biological child. Um, maximum prime yeah one of the scientists tells max 2 
to take out Max Prime because she has an expiration date, quote unquote. And then Max Bowl ensues. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It's like Clegane Bowl, but somehow it's worse. I wish they were just going bowling. In chapter 138, the Maxes duke it out. And right when Max 2 is about to kick it, Max backs off because she doesn't want to be a murderer. Jeb says, there can only be one Max. Be one. In the same way you might say, I just can't make it into the office today. <laughs> There's this bit uh, in... My, Everybody listening needs to check out Mike Birbiglia's stand-up. He's one of my favorite comedians ever. He might be my favorite comedian ever. He's fantastic. But there's this bit he does where he talks about how in college he took a computer science course, but he went to the first class at like 8 in the morning and just did not want to go back to class. So he went to the final class before the final exam to find out what was going to be on the final exam so that he could cram and hopefully pass the exam. And he finds out that he already missed the final because he got the dates wrong. And so he goes to the professor and he's like, oh, my God, I don't like what do I, blah, blah, blah. I, I missed the final. And the professor just goes, you get the worst grade. And that's like, that's the way that he says it um, to explain he gets whatever grade the worst like whoever did the worst on the test that's the grade that he gets since he didn't take the test okay but anyway the way that he says you get the worst grade in the, in that special is the way i imagine jeb saying there can only be one max <laughs> side note having taken plenty of programming courses i've discovered that every single professor i've had when taking any programming course is literally my least favorite professor ever. <laughs> they, well, they're taking, they're like teaching a class that nobody wants to teach, at least in lower level programming courses, because I feel like a lot of people who take those courses are people who are like, I want to make a game, but then they like actually don't understand the technical difficulty behind like programming. And so like, they're probably dealing with some of the dumbest idiots who have ever walked into a college course. It's like what I imagine. I took an intro level sociology course my sophomore year of college um, before actually minoring in sociology. And it's like how I imagine so those sociology professors who teach those intro level courses feel about like Republicans taking their classes. Oh, God. I'm trying to be like, why can't we just let poor people die? And them having to be like, oh, oh no, I can't fix them, but I have to grade they, them fairly. <laughs> if they wanted to have a better life, why can't they just do better? Why were you Bill Clinton? <laughs> <laughs> Why? I did not have sexual intercourse with that woman. <laughs> no, but I completely understand. You get the worst grade. <laughs> you get the worst grade. You get the worst grade. <laughs> oh my god. Chapter 139. 
Jeb and Axe. I don't know who that is, but apparently that's a person now. <laughs> Jeb and Axe. My D&D character. About the need for <laughs> Their D&D character's name is Ash. And I called him Axe because he uses a big axe. <laughs> he does use a big axe. <laughs> uh, they bicker about the fact that one Max has to die. I mean, one of them's got to die. Uh, but Max refuses and tells everyone to go fuck themselves, basically. She says something a little astute in this chapter. and Variables? Yeah, kind of. No, it's the part where okay. Jeb says, where Jeb says there can only be, we cannot, ha- there cannot be two Maxes. And Max says, then you shouldn't have made two of us. And I like that exchange completely divorced from almost the entire rest of the series because it does illustrate how people in power create problems and then blame it on the lower class like the water crisis in flint michigan the government created this problem but now it's the fault of the lower class in flint because they can't afford to fix the infrastructure of their city. And I just liked that little exchange purely because of what it represents for the series as a whole, but also the rest of the series has no deeper meaning. So um, it kind of sucks. <laughs> the fucks tell Max to duck. <laughs> they do. Chapter 140. Explosion. Big boom. Room go. (laughs) Max won't report, but no report. Yeah, Angel is also still bleeding heavily from a bite wound in her arm. And, like, we've previously seen that a bite from Ari could, like, kill someone. But she seems... Fine. I think Gabby. Mind powers. I think Gabby forgot. I did not. I was gonna say I, I, I don't think she remembered that. Fact. Also, I did not do three chapters at the end. I thought I did, but I only did two because there are only two left. No, yeah, you're right. You're you're just a fucking liar. Apparently, um. So chapter 141, the flock is miraculously unharmed, despite the massive damage. And they all fly away. Hit the weak point for massive damage. They all fly away into the night like nothing happened. They literally, like, they all get up. No one else gets up. The only person who should have survived this blast was probably Ari, because he's the only one who's, like, built enough that I would believe that he could survive, like, a massive blast. And there were also a couple other erasers. But Max and and the whole flock just, like, get up, and then they're all like, oh, should we leave? And then Max is like, yeah, guys, let's, and then they all simultaneously say, blow this popsicle stand! And then they, like, fly away. <laughs> it felt- Like they rehearsed it, like it's a musical. It felt like the extremely corny ending to an episode of Community- and I don't know if you've ever watched that show. You should, if you have. I understand exactly what you mean. <laughs> like, they were, they got to the end of the episode and they were like, 
well, let's just wrap it up, which they can do because it's a comedy, like an absurdist comedy show. But that's what they did at the end of this like action sci-fi novel. <laughs> can we really call it sci-fi? <laughs> no, it's fantasy, actually. Yeah. Now that I think about it, it's pure fantasy. Um, chapter 142, the flock has been reunited and they fly far away before settling down to get some sleep. Max talks to Fang about the other Max and asks if he knew it wasn't her. He, of course, says he knew it wasn't her when Max, too, offered to make breakfast. The end. Would have been better if he was like, oh, yeah, I knew it wasn't you because she didn't blow me right. Hand action was terrible. And, uh, terrible. She just, she did this weird thing with her pinky. Too much teeth. Too much teeth. Any teeth is too much teeth. If I have learned anything, it is that any teeth is too much teeth. Some people are into that, okay? Let's not kink shame. No one that I've ever been with. I would say no one that I've ever been with, but I've never been with someone with a penis. I've only ever been with one person with a penis. I have a penis. Why did we read these books? Uh, We read them because of the version of them that exists inside my mind. We've been over this. I'm starting to wonder if Warm Bodies is good. <laughs> I'm kidding. Warm Bodies is good. Warm Bodies is like critically acclaimed. Warm Bodies has received rave reviews from many critics, including Stephanie Meyer. Does it really mean anything when Stephanie Meyer gives you a good review? <laughs> I say this, wait, for some reason my first book gets released and I have a review from Stephanie Meyer on it and I'm just looking at it like what how why (laughs) (laughs) i have to find it i tweeted um a a photo okay of the review from the the cover of the original warm bodies um this is a review from stephanie meyer herself it says i never thought i could care so passionately for a zombie the most unexpected romantic lead i've ever encountered and then Simon Pegg also said, a mesmerizing evolution of a classic contemporary myth. And that's pretty irrelevant, but it's also in the same photo as the Stephanie Meyer review. So I really want that. I want that version of the book because I want to have that Smire review on the cover of the book. I might buy it. It's on eBay. I can get it for like 10 bucks. Do you think I can get a publisher to get smire to read my lesbian romance fantasy novel and give a cover review for it i was so i love looking at cover reviews especially ones for like really highly uh, like praised books like say gideon for example they have cover reviews but then they also have reviews on like the inside flap So there's just like all these reviews from all these people saying how good the book is because I just want to see what weird random authors they got to endorse these books. It's actually very interesting, anthropologically speaking, to like observe 
who got the cover reviews at the time of publication because at the time of warm bodies publication stephanie meyer got a cover review because she was like if if she gave you a good review that was like huge it was a, a huge thing to have stephanie meyer tell you that your book was good but nowadays it's like I don't know, like you could get Hank Green to have to like give you a good cover review and it would be like, oh, people would take it seriously. At least people who really enjoy Hank Green, which how do you not enjoy Hank Green? He's such a benevolent person. Like, (laughs) do you mean John Green? John Green and Hank Green are brothers. They do this. They do the YouTube series Vlogbrothers. Does does Hank Green write too? Yes. He does. Oh, he has written only, two novels. I, I was not aware that they both wrote novels. Yes. I only know of John Green's works. I would love it if I could get independently from each other without informing them a cover review from both John and Hank Green. <laughs> I have compared my novel to... I basically said it's like you merged fantasy with turtles all the way down. Yeah, that's actually Or somebody I like that. just yeah. having <laughs> an anxious panic attack break from reality while also being in a world of swords and magic. Yeah. You know, thinking about it, my fantasy epic is kind of just like the fault in our stars, but fantasy in which it's oh just God, everybody has cancer. <laughs> No, it's just... Oh my god, they have magic cancer! (laughs) No, it's people fighting ardently against what has been fated for them. And just, like, trying to do the best they can despite their their ill-gotten fate. But do they drink real champagne from the Champagne region of France? (laughs) No, it doesn't take... It doesn't take... Well, it doesn't take place on Earth. So I don't know how they would possibly... Or does it? Or does it? Dun, dun, dun. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. We're going to read a good book. Yes. A good book. So I believe we talked about this when we previously spoke about Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies is a lot more dense than something like Maximum Ride is. So even though it's a lot shorter, we might want to split it up into four or five parts. Um, just because it's going to be a little slower to get through. Not for, like, negative reasons, just because there's more detail. (laughs) There's more nuance going on in the book. Um, And so there's going to be more to discuss, in my opinion. Um, So we'll look at it and we'll see how the chapters line up. Um, I don't know how many parts it's going to be for now. Um, I will probably tweet which chapters we will be reading before the next episode comes out um because i know that sometimes people like to read along and so if you you know want to know which chapters i would definitely check out our twitter which is at litmasterspod. um m is at m of many names and i'm at sarah s wilton um you can if you want to correspond with us on there feel free our dms are always open um i know sometimes people like to message us with uh things that they thought of the episode it's which is always if so you want good. Sarah's phone number, it is. It is. 513. You shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> she actually started saying my phone number. Oh, God. Um, 
but yeah so if you want to shoot us any messages over there we always love hearing from you um shoot us an email at literarymasterspod at gmail.com i check it pretty regularly uh, most of our emails are just paypal letting us know that their terms and conditions have been updated um if you want to we're sad or, yeah we also get we also get lots of emails from sarah buying things using that paypal it's <laughs> In my, <laughs> I, just, I just get random notifications sometimes like <laughs> you just bought this item and i'm like what we didn't i uh we don't have a balance on that paypal it's just that paypal is connected to my bank account because that's what we use to set up the coffee because we don't have like an independent bank account so it's set up with my bank account but any money that we've actually received, I did specifically use for, well, I mean, I put it into my bank account and then paid for the RSS feed. Um, oh, yeah. No, it's just notifications for like yeah. <laughs> if a large purchase is made using the PayPal account. Some, sometimes there are websites that I order from that you can only use PayPal. And I already have a PayPal, so I just use our PayPal account. <laughs> So if you're curious, I recently purchased some Digimon cards and that's what it was. Digimon playmat because <laughs> I play the Digimon card game because I am every kind of nerd that there is. I want to play the Digimon. Okay. Well, we have Look, a lot of decks. We're going to leave. So the next. We're going to leave. We're going to leave. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed Check us out on all of those platforms and uh, we'll see you next time when we read part one of Warm Bodies. I'm very excited. Sexy time. <laughs> Goodbye. Stop recording.